I did something this past week that I've never done, and that is I Googled Mother's Day sermons. Now, you can imagine uh, what I ended up seeing. Today is a beautiful day. It is a day to celebrate the critical, vital, and important role of moms in our lives. And as Donovan said, bio moms, step moms, spiritual moms, women who have influenced the lives of children and so many more. So not only is it a beautiful day, the other theme, of course, is that this is a complicated day for so many reasons. It's a day filled with loss, missed opportunities, unmet expectations, and even shattered dreams. So we hold those two things in tension, a beautiful day and a complicated day. So in light of this, we will be talking about not only motherhood, but also calling. What is it that we are called to to fulfill God's role in our lives? So if we look at the words of Jesus, we all have a central calling. In the message, uh, message we read, you didn't choose me, remember, I chose you, and put you in the world to bear fruit, fruit that won't spoil. This is our calling to do the work that he is asking us to do. As fruit bearers, whatever you ask the Father in relation to me, he gives you. But remember, the root command is love one another. Our central calling for every Christian, for every man, for every woman, is to follow God's call, to do what he asks of us to bear his fruit. So God the Father calls us to himself, as we are made in his image to reflect that image in the world. Jesus calls us to salvation and to friendship, to do life with him. The Holy Spirit calls us to live a life that is good and right and pure and just. Now, God calls us to much, to roles, to tasks, to eternal life, to peace, to fellowship, to service, to child rearing and homemaking, to coffee making on a Sunday morning and volunteering in kid life, to jobs and even to suffering. Os Guinness, who's an author and theologian says this, calling means that everyone, everywhere, in everything fulfills his or her unique calling in relation and in response to God's primary calling. So unique calling has to do with how each of us is wired. Primary calling has to do, sorry, uh, central calling has to do with what he has called us all to do. All of who we are, all of what we do, and all of what we have is surrendered to God. Now, when I have conversations with people about their unique calling, I often hear this theme. I feel like I'm in a maze, and at the end of it, I will finally figure out what my unique calling is. I would like to say to you, there's a way to think about this that it does not feel so overwhelming. The life you have today, right now, here, is the life that God has called you to. What are you doing with your life and your calling today? It starts today. In Ephesians, we read these words from Paul. Now, God has us where he wants us. With all the time in the world and the next, 
to shower grace and kindness upon us in Christ Jesus. Saving is all his idea and all his work. All we have to do is trust him enough to let him do it. It's God's gift from the start to finish. We don't play a major role. If we did, we'd probably go around bragging that we'd done the whole thing. No, no. We neither make nor save ourselves. He wires us. He creates us to fulfill his work. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him, to find where God is working right here, right now, and jump on board in the work that he does, the good work he's gotten ready for us to do, and we better get ready doing it. There are many factors in unique calling, personality, past experiences, values, gifts, talents, upbringing, spiritual gifts even. How do we utilize them to fulfill God's call? There are a number of authors that have expressed their own definition of calling. Parker Palmer says that calling at its deepest level is something I cannot not do. What is it that you cannot not do? Rebecca Lyons says, calling is where talent and burden collides. And Frederick Buchner says that calling is the place where your deep gladness and the world's hunger meets. What is your unique calling? In the role of mom, we have an opportunity to influence and change the lives of not only our children who are living in our home, but for children and others who we've come in contact with every day. And as children age, our roles begin to shift and change. However, we continue to have those opportunities to influence. I've asked today my good friends, Brenda Wilbur and Kendall Potter, to join me as we have a conversation today about our calling and how God calls us our unique calling, and how it then intersects with this thing called motherhood. So if you could both introduce yourselves, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, your family, and roles you are in. Hello, I'm Kendall Potter. I am um, the Director of Living Word Women and um, Digital Discipleship here at the church. Um, my husband, Matt, and I have been married for almost 17 years, and we have two sons, an 11-year-old and a 7-year-old, and a dog. Um, so a typical day looks a lot like running around and school pickup and drop-off and after-school things and sports and book fairs and volunteering, and yeah, we're in that season of life. Yeah. Well, I'm Brenda Wilbur, and uh, my husband and I, Brian, uh, we've been married for 24 years. We have two children. Austin will be 20 next week. He is um, in the Coast Guard and stationed in Texas. Our daughter, Evie, is 17 and finishing up her junior year here at Red Lion, and we are starting the college surge. Can't believe it. Um, outside of being a, a wife and a mom, I am the director of life groups here at Living Word. I am a director with Mary Kay. And I am the president of our local Rotary Club. And as I was thinking about all those things, I thought, my poor husband, I'm probably a little bossy. Sorry. <laughs> Join the club, Brenda. 
So we've been married 40 years. Woo! Okay. That was so a look, that. man. <laughs> <laughs> married 40 years. Our son is in his late 20s and has been married five years. They live down in Baltimore where they are both working and just having a great time living life. Okay, so let's talk about our primary calling. Um, describe how God has called you to himself. What was that like for you? Um, for me, I grew up, uh, my parents are Christians. We attended church. Um, I accepted Christ when I was five. My Sunday school teacher talked to me about it that day, and then I went home and prayed with my mom. Um, but as I got older, I cared less and less about my faith. Um, co- like High school, college really didn't care all that much. Um, and then between my junior and senior years of college, I just had a really powerful experience of God kind of calling me back to himself, and I rededicated my life to him. Okay, so in the Christian Reformed Church, that's where I grew up, um, you publicly professed your faith. And so I did that when I was 16, stood in front of church, accepted the Lord, um, and I have been a Christian since, I guess you can say. But honestly, I did not fall in love with Jesus until 20 years later. So he fell in love with me at the beginning, right? But I didn't fall in love with him until 20 years later um, when I actually resigned from my job and I started a business on my own. He was with me every step of the way. He opened up doors. He pointed me to people who pointed me to him. It just was an amazing experience, and I could finally just surrender and fall in love. It's a totally different experience than publicly professing when I was 16. Yeah. So I went to a little Lutheran church um, in Windsor Park, which is just outside of the city limits in York. And I remember as an elementary age kid just being so enthralled with the Bible stories, the stories about Jesus. And then through my growing up years, it waxed, it waned to a point where I said, Uh, no, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't need this anymore. God had another plan. And then in the middle of my junior year of college, uh, I came back again and professed faith to Christ. Okay, so that is our primary calling in terms of being called to him. Uh, Tell us a little bit about your unique calling. What is it that you cannot not do, Brenda? Okay, so I cannot not teach. And what's funny is I didn't really realize that until I resigned from my job as a teacher. Um, But it helped me to realize that, because I got this confused for a really long time, your calling isn't necessarily your career Mm -hmm. or your role. So I I learned that I was called to teach, and I could teach that teach in any environment he put me in or in any role he could put me in. Yeah, I like that what you said there about your your calling and your role being different, because I've had a lot of different roles, um, but one of my major callings is that I am a writer and a teacher with an end of, of helping people be better, helping the world be better. So I have been a grant writer. I've been a copywriter for a lot of nonprofits. I've uh, been an adjunct professor at a seminary, and I taught writing to first-year seminary students who are training to become ministers. So I've had all of these different roles, but kind of the theme of all of them is that sort of writing um, to make the world a better place, I guess you could say. (laughs) So for me, it is, of course, counseling and teaching and leading. And so even as a kid, as a young kid in the neighborhood, I would gather people together and we we would put on plays, we would do things, we would do this also. I was the oldest grandkid, so I'd gather all the cousins every time we had some kind of family dinner and we would make up this little play and then present this play to the to the family members, the adult family members. And I just remember loving to gather 
people around, common ideas, common activities, common things to do. Okay, so what it is that cannot not do? So in the midst of that, in the context of that, what principles guide your life? Um, a big one for me is Micah 6, 8. What does the Lord require of you to act justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God? Um, that's a big one. And also just kind of the concept of leaving it better than you found it, um, making the world a better place. I used to want to make the world a better place. And the older I get, that gets smaller and smaller and smaller. Now I'm just trying to like make the first floor of my house a better place. Um, but just kind of that theme of, of trying to improve the lives of people around me. I didn't really know it was a rule of, a rule of life until um, late, much later. But um, years ago, I went on a mission trip to Ethiopia with, with Living Word. And I was struck by the time being there, being in the villages and seeing the lack of water and seeing the lack of, you know, fresh air and, and all of the natural resources. But it really spoke to me that people are our most worthy natural resource. And we really need to take care of each other. So that's kind of become my mantra, so to speak. You'll see that on my Facebook cover. I mean, that's just kind of the rule that I live through about how can we take better care of one another. And I've definitely intersected that in my role as mom. Mm -hmm. So simplicity has always been something that's been very important to me, to live a lifestyle uh, that is not complicated and to be able to express ideas that are not complicated, to be able to drill them down to the most simple common denominator, common factor. And when I was probably in my late 20s, early 30s, I read a book called The Hurried Child by David Elkind. And I remember reading that book, and boy, isn't it uh, apropos for today. I remember reading that book thinking, I will never want to have a, a family situation or a lifestyle where we are hurried from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next. So that really spoke to me in terms of wanting to have a simple lifestyle. The other thing that was really important for me and something that I talked to my son about often was to whom much is given, much is expected or much is required or much is demanded. And so that we have a responsibility that when we have resources to be able to exercise and utilize those resources for the good of others. And so it was really great as he was growing up to be able to have dialogue about what that meant, especially during his childhood. Okay, so there's our general calling, our central calling. There's our unique calling, that thing that we cannot not do. How about motherhood and calling? Um, how would you describe your unique calling, your unique calling as it intersects with role as mom? Um, I would say that my husband and I really uh, strive to teach our kids service. And again, going along with the line of... Um, people are our greatest natural resource. But I don't think we teach our kids service. Um, you just serve and they learn. You know, it's more of what's caught, not necessarily what's taught. So I think that we've kind of intersected with service uh, being a big part of um, our unique calling. Um, and then I would also say that we um, use the, the theory of speak life. Um, if you've heard it before, it's just the idea of speaking light, speaking positivity, speaking truth. Um, and I would use that at my house even all the time when the kids were yelling and screaming at each other. I'd be like, speak life! 
you know, and I'm not sure that that was the best, but, but it actually, it, they knew what I was saying, and it was better than, stop, stop yelling, I told you so many times, stop. speak life, speak life. And I feel like those are just some of the ways that I've kind of pulled that calling into my parenting. I hope my kids are picking up on some of my, like, <laughs> catching and not teaching. Um, but I, I think our kids are seeing that we're trying to teach them to make the world a better place, treat people with kindness, quote a Harry Styles, Styles there. Um, <laughs> and just, you know, I see it a little bit as my kids are getting a little bit older. Also with some of the things with my unique calling, like my son is starting to love writing too. And like he and all of his little friends are, they have this Google Doc where they're writing a chapter book together and it thrills me to watch that mm. happening. Um, but also just seeing my kids care about other people and want to help other people. Yeah, very sweet. So you don't need a degree in psychology to help your kids uh, figure out how to help their friends. And one thing that was very central for us is that Matt would come to me with problems that his friends were having. And so, and of course this happens at 11 o'clock at night. Never happens at four or five or six or seven or eight or nine or 10, but 11 o'clock at night. And so just being available was just so important in terms of being able to have those dialogues and have those conversations. So, and, and in addition to that, <clears throat> practicing hospitality has always been uh, important for us, for our family. And so being, again, able to bring people together, to gather people around the table has been something that was really important in terms of practicing unique calling and then also being able just to make an impact in the lives of the people that we bring into the house. So everybody has stress. And so part of the question here is, how does your unique calling and how does stress impact this role of being mom? What is she talking about? Stress. <laughs> um, are any parents in the room really tired of the month of May? Because um, I'm really tired of the month of May. So it made me laugh that Becky asked this question during a season when there's like, a book fair and a band concert and something every single night of the year until the school year ends. Um, so I know when I'm in seasons like this, when um, whether my mom life is really busy or work life is really busy, um, there's this myth of balance, but I do have to try to look at my life and see what can I let go of. Like I can't do everything. Um, you don't need to attend every PTO meeting. That's something that I've had to let go of. Um, just this past Friday, we like skipped baseball practice because we thought we needed some time together as a family. And um, so it is just trying to roll with things and figure out that balance to keep kind of things from getting too stressful, whether it's at work or home or whatever. I don't do it perfectly ever, but I'm trying. <laughs> None of us do, right? Um, so I am now a little bit more mature mom. And so I'm not running to baseball practice and all that stuff anymore. Gosh, your life changes when your kids get their licenses. Um, but I am now a mom-to-mom -mom leader. So I had some of the younger moms over for brunch the other day. And it's been a long time since there have been two-year-olds in my house. And so we sat and we were having brunch and um, it doesn't matter that like one little glass vase broke. I don't care. It's fine. It's fine. But here's what I noticed as I watched them. These moms were tired. They couldn't finish a sentence. They couldn't finish their chocolate chip muffins. They couldn't, they, they were so busy. Like I was tired watching them. And so I will say like the physical 
the physical tiredness get be gets better, the running gets better, it does. Um, and I think as they age, you just kind of, the stress level is different. And it's more like um, an emotional exhaustion <laughs> instead of a physical exhaustion. And um, I'll just use the example. It's just a couple nights ago, I knew my son was having a tough time at work. My daughter was having a tough time at work. It happened to be the same night. And I was sitting on the couch and Brian was across the way. And I was like, what do you do? What can you do when your kids are hurting? They're trying to figure out their lives, but like, you can't do anything. I'm sitting on a couch. And so in that season, I just, I just had to like pray them through it, you know, just think it, think it through and pray them through it and remember that Jesus loves them more than I do and he will strengthen them with whatever's going on. But it's a different season of having to let go and allow, let go of control, you know, and, oh, yeah. and allow him, him to be the true parent, right? <laughs> so. Yeah, good point, Brenda. Yes, the whole idea of, t of not having enough time uh, really is such a central theme for so many parents. Not having enough time to get everything done, not having enough time to invest where you want to invest. Boy, does it ever take incredible intentionality. And again, I have to go back to this theme of the fact that God is the creator of time. He's the author of time. And because of that, he has given us the time to do what it is that he has asked us to do in that very day. And so if I'm filling myself with so many more responsibilities than what he is asking of me to do, of course, we feel more overwhelmed. So if I can rest in that, if I can trust in that and trust him, there is a greater peace, greater joy, greater opportunity really to hear his voice in the midst of all of that. Alrighty, so we know it takes a village to raise these kids. And I can remember when my son was just two, um, we were still here in York, and so we had two sets of grandparents within five miles. What a gift that was. And then we moved to New York, and we were there for seven years, no grandparents around. And in fact, there were times when I felt like I needed to have a babysitter to watch Matt with the babysitter. When, I would come, when we would come home from something at 11 o'clock at night, and he's still up and running around, and I'm saying to the babysitter, what happened? Oh, Matt just wanted to do this, this, and this. And I'm thinking, I need a babysitter for the babysitter and Matt. <laughs> Kendall, what about you? Yeah. I don't know how I would live in my calling at work, at home. I don't know how I'd do any of this without the community that I have. Um, like, not only do I have an awesome spouse, but uh, we are blessed that we do have both sets of grandparents local. Um, and then I just have some amazing friends, and most of them attend here. A couple of them in, are in the room right now um, that just I can talk to about work stress or kids stress or whatever the case may be. I have a friend that like has dropped, I've sent a text and said I'm stressed and she's dropped dinner off at my house that night. There was one time that Connie Milkling walked into my office and I was like, I'm so tired. And she went back to her office and gave me money to get pizza for dinner that night. Um, I've had friends that like watch my kids at the last minute. Like I, I'm not quite sure how you do life without um, that community surrounding you. Yeah, I learned recently that our kids should have five adult role models in their lives. And of course, we can be one or two of them, but looking at coaches and Sunday school teachers and scout leaders, and I think it's so important for our kids to get involved with other adults. And the younger they are, the more control we have over that. Um, learning all the kids, if, whatever your kids are involved in, like whether it's baseball, marching, whatever it might be, learn the kids' names and being able to cheer, be a part of their community as well. 
Because if you think about it, if our kids are supposed to have five adults, what about the other way? Like, who am I impacting? Who, what, what kids am I part of? What, they're five. You know what I mean? So community is so important. You can't do it alone. Yeah, I like what you said there about making sure that you're doing that for other kids, right. too. Like, this year, I've just been really blessed to be really involved in my younger son's classroom in a way that I haven't in past years. And it's like uh, the other day I went in to help out with um, um, assembly that they were having and I like I walked in the hallway and everyone was like Mrs. Potter uh, and I like know the kids names and they all give me hugs and it's just nice to know um, to be able to be there for other kids that aren't my kids too. Mm-hmm. Yeah it, it reminded me Brenda and Kendall when you brought that up there was a my son was in ninth through tenth grade and he was in the marching band and Brian and I were going to volunteer for, I don't remember what it was, just to sit there with the kids and do some other stuff. And then, of course, there was the Boosters Club and all of that. And he just fussed and fussed and fussed about why did we have to be there? Why do we have to be there? Why do we have to be there? And I finally said, we're going to do this. We're doing it. So we show up. And wouldn't you know it, he comes over, his friends come over, everybody's talking with us. And I thought, secretly you wanted this and maybe didn't even know you wanted this, but this was good for you to have this. So even when they give us a hard time, we still engage, we still end up connecting, we still spend time with these kids. Yeah, so good. So what would you say to your younger self about calling and role and mom? Um, I think I would go back and tell my younger self to just trust God through it all, um, not try to make things happen. I've definitely had seasons of life where I've been so um, obsessed with, like, being in the right role and focusing on the role more than the calling. Um, I've had seasons where I've had to, like, trust God with my kids. Um, When I was going back to work full-time, I had a daycare that I really wanted my younger son to be in this particular daycare, but they were full. And so we looked at a whole bunch of other ones, but I still wanted this one. And um, this one day I'm in the kitchen and I'm like frantically prepping all these freezer meals to have in the freezer so we can have a home-cooked meal every night when I go back to work. And my husband called and he's like, hey, I think we need to like trust God with this whole daycare thing. And I went, I can't trust God. I need to make something happen. And as soon as I said it, I was like, ooh. (laughs) Um, And I stopped in my kitchen and I said, okay, God, you love these kids more than I do fix it. Um, And about 15 minutes later, my husband called and he said, hey, a spot opened up at the daycare for Ben. Um, And I wish all prayers were answered in 15 minutes. Um, But it just reminded me, like, it was just like God saying, trust me, like, please trust me, I got this. And so I just wish I could tell my younger self to not be so obsessed with the details sometimes to trust God with the big stuff. Yeah, I have a practical one and then one very similar to that. So my practical one is this. Is there, is there anyone in this room who likes their alarm clock? <laughs> I don't think there are. Uh, many of us do not like alarm clocks. As a younger mom, I wish I did not allow my kids to be my alarm clock. When that clock goes off and you're like, Ugh, that is no way to greet your kids in the morning. And I wish I had learned that earlier on. I wish I had learned, get up 20 minutes earlier, set yourself, have your coffee, talk to the Lord, then start your day. You will be served better. He will be served better. They will be served better. I didn't, I didn't learn that soon enough. So that mm-hmm. is my younger self tip. And then also the same thing. I didn't realize I could go to Jesus with all the, all the little stuff. 
I didn't realize I can pray about the burned dinners or the dirty diapers or the fights with my husband over who's going to put them to bed or whatever it might be. I didn't realize I could pray and surrender those things. Um, I thought I had to save Jesus for the big stuff. So my younger self would just be surrendering more to Jesus. So for me, I think it would be remain in the present. Uh, Again, something so hard, I think, I'll be learning this lesson for the rest of my life. So hard to be able to live it out day after day after day. I have this day. I've got this block of 24 hours. Lord, what do you want me to do? How do I remain present? How do I stay engaged with whoever is in front of me at the moment, doing whatever it is that I'm doing in the moment? How do I stay with this right here, right now? Any final words? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> I could write a book. I could keep going and going. Sure, and going, okay. But I will <laughs> Thank you, Brenda. Thank you, Kendall. It was a lot of fun having this conversation with you. So again, think about general calling. Our primary calling, of course, is to Christ. You've heard the old adage, do what you love and you will never work another day in your life. I would like to suggest this instead. Love what you are already doing today. On this Mother's Day, engage with the people who are around you. Be present for the people around you and the tasks that you are accomplishing today. Utilize your unique calling to fulfill God's purposes. And let me close with this prayer. Lord, I do pray that today we would see you, that today we would join with you and your good work, that today we will be present as mom, as dad, as parent, as friend, as sister, as brother in Christ, in you, and we would receive your incredible blessing. Lord, we love you. Amen.